In light of all the conversation about gender and identity, we began to wonder if there's even a difference between men and women anymore. We went to Seattle University to find out. Aware of the conversation going on in Washington State right now around kind of gender identity, gender expression issues, and the ability to access facilities on those grounds? Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, you know, there's, there's general neutral bathrooms in like all the dorms and stuff like that. I think that gender is fluid, so if you want to use a bathroom because that's a place and that's a space where you feel comfortable and safe in doing so, then I think that that's completely fine. I think that if whoever you think you are, if you're male or female, then that's the bathroom you should go into. I think if it doesn't really negatively affect anybody, then I think anyone be, should be able to choose what gender they uh, choose to identify as. People, no matter what their gender identification is, they should be allowed to use whatever restrooms they should they, they feel like they identify with. Is there a difference in your mind between men and women? Um, no, yes. I, I mean, um... Possibly? In general, yes. But I don't know why I think that. Socially, currently, yes, there is. There is no need for that difference to exist, uh, scientifically and logically. If you think that you're a male, if you think that you're a female, that matters more than the biological difference. There's not much difference besides what society forces onto people. And how do you know the difference between men and women? by what people think they are. So you can't like judge someone just on like their looks. I don't think there's any one way to really distinguish between a man or a woman, and I don't think it's necessary. Uh, it's not always consistent. It has a high probability, like 98% of the time I can get it right. There is some ambiguity. I think, yeah, there are ways to tell, but then again, you can always be wrong. What would you say I am? Just judging off of your looks, I would say that you're a male. I would probably assume a man, but then you never know. A male. Why would you say that? Based on how I look at you. <laughs> Do you think that's a problem? Yeah, probably. Do you think the difference between men and women matters for any reason? Uh, no, not really. I think most sociologists agree that uh, the concept of gender is more of a societal construct. I do think it matters somewhat, yeah. To me, no. I don't, I don't feel as if it matters to me because at the end of the day, the person is just a person. No, I don't think it should matter. And the differences on a uh, social level are simply a product of a biased society. Then is there a reason to have those labels, male or female? I don't think so. I think that it's, again, a social construct of this binary that we're given at birth. There is kind of a difference, but at the same time, if someone wants to identify as one or both or as nothing, I also find that completely okay. And... There may be nothing more self-evident in the natural universe than the fact that every animal species is divided into two halves, male and female. Yet the most intelligent of those species seems to be wrestling with whether male or female are actually real things. Have we discovered something new, or have we become too clever for our own good? Sometimes when I call a lady sir by accident, they get very offended. For those of you that are laughing, that's the wrong response.
you should shed a tear. We need to have compassion. They are deceived. They're deceived. They went, they went to a, a, a school in a very liberal part of the country, in Northwest, obviously, but they could have gone to Ohio State and got the same responses. The issue of uh, transgenderism has become something in the last, you know, decade, 20 years, 30 years, to the point that people see there's really no difference between male and female. I wonder if, if those people that say, well, there's really no difference between male and female, are they all bisexual or do they have a preference in their sexuality? If they have a preference in their sexuality, they must think there's a difference between male and female. Unless they're all bisexual. See, when you bring common sense and logic to this, it all collapses. It all collapses. Gender unicorn is something that uh, goes around now in our colleges. Sorry for the, the bad image of that. But this uh, is a gender unicorn that goes around not only in our colleges, but in our high schools. It's not in Xenia yet, but it just tells you about the fluidity of gender. I guess this thing really came to view for me uh, several years ago, because I remember back when I graduated from high school. In the summer that I graduated from high school, I was watching the Olympics, and I don't remember where the Olympics were in, but this, this, this one guy called Bruce Jenner, he all of a sudden showed up in the Olympics. And, and, and do we have his picture up there? That was the year I graduated from high school. But now if we see Bruce Jenner on Sports Illustrated, it looks quite different. And, you know, I think Bruce Jenner may have been the first really famous person that kind of came out as transgender Monday night in our men's Bible study, we looked at what some people say to be the biblical support for transgenderism. Some people argue that the Bible speaks of gender fluidity. And one of the arguments that the Bible gives for gender fluidity is that, you remember the Old Testament story of Joseph? He had a coat of many colors. And that coat of many colors was a girly garment. I promise you. And he wore this girly garment gladly so people say Joseph had gender issues because he wore a coat of many colors I promise you I could have brought you the video in some people say there's biblical support for transgenderism they'll say that Jesus though he was male had feminine desires and they'll use Matthew chapter 23 verse 37 to back that up, when Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So that, that proves Je Jesus had uh, gender issues. Did you know that proved that? That's biblical. That's, that's what some people in some pulpits, in some churches today, 
I could, I could have shown you the video. That's what we'll go to Mark chapter 14, verse 13, where Jesus sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him. When they said, well, that means Jesus, he, he supports fluidity because it was a woman's job to carry water. Promise you? And they, and, and they said, Jesus, as he washed the feet, was doing a women's job. That means he was fluid. Promise you? That's the biblical support. Truth of the matter is, the Bible doesn't say anything about transgenderism. Nothing. Some people say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about transgenderism. The Bible doesn't say, the New Testament, Jesus didn't speak against homosexuality, so that must mean Jesus didn't care a lot about it. Well, Jesus didn't say anything about kidnapping either. Didn't say anything about sex trafficking. Didn't say anything about pornography. Didn't say anything about a lot of sins. The purpose of the Bible is not to give you a list of sins. If you see the Bible that way, you have a very naive view of the Bible. I'm uncomfortable with this message because I cannot um, literate with Scripture. Because the Bible doesn't mention transgenderism. There is no thou shalt and no thou shalt not. And I don't want to give you my opinion. My opinion shouldn't matter. Squat to you. Your opinion doesn't matter when we come to these issues. It's what the Bible says that matters. Everybody says, well, Mark, what do you think about this? Well, who cares what Mark thinks about that? I have a biblical worldview, and if, if I disagree with the Bible, then I'm wrong. But the Bible doesn't have anything, so I can't litter this with, with Scripture. Uh, we have to do theology, and we have to interpret verses that apply to this, but no, thou shalt or thou shalt not. Let's start with a, just, a, just a very basic glossary of the terms. What is a transgender what is a transgender? It's a person whose personal identity does not correspond with their biological sex. I'm, I, I'm a male, but I would see myself as a female. I'm a male, but I would see myself as a female. And if that person starts living out that identity that is different than the biological sex, then that person would say to be transgender. Cross-dressing is something completely different. It's, I think it's really interesting that, and this is how you have to do theology on this. I think it's really interesting that, that the world tells us that when our body does not correspond with what our mind thinks, that we have to change our bodies. That's what the world tells us. That's what the world tells us. The Bible tells you something 180 degrees opposite of that. The Bible says, present your body to God and let God transform your mind. But we want to obey our mind, obey our mind by changing our body. And Romans 1 and 2 obviously says, present your body to God and renew your mind. Let God renew your mind. So we try to solve the problem of transgenderism with body modification and the Bible solution to transgenderism is mind modification. The, the Bible solution to everything is mind 
modification. The whole, the whole Christian life is the renewal of your mind. Our problem is we don't think right. Don't know, I would just wish God would have knocked me over the head with a baseball bat when I got saved and all of a sudden I thought right. But hasn't it for you, as it has been for me, been a process of continual growing in the Lord? This whole Christian life is about mind modification. We attack the transgender issue not with body modification. By the way, pay attention to the language that's used. Don't don't let it slide past you. And don't let it just easily accept it into your life. Have you heard the phrase, sex assigned at birth? Sex is not assigned at birth. Sex is observed at birth. And then it's written down. Sex, don't, don't buy in, don't, don't, let, don't let the language, don't, don't adopt the language. I, ha- I had to change many things here that I was going to put on the screen. Everything assigned at birth, signed at birth. I just wouldn't put it up there. I won't fall, I'm not, not going to fall for that. Gender dysphoria is a medical condition. The Bible of psychiatry is the DSM-5. It's, it's a manual for, for psychiatric conditions. And gender dysphoria is a real thing, friends, that, that, that needs our love and compassion and concern. And it's, it's a real thing, gender dysphoria is. People, people can look in the mirror and see something that's not there. Just like, just like sometimes a 90-pound a a girl looks in the mirror and sees a 150-pound girl. Gender dysphoria is a real thing. The, the feelings that we have emotionally doesn't match our biological sex. It's a real thing. It's not, it's not, not a made-up thing. It's a real thing. And unfortunately, the way it gets treated is with body modification and not mind modification. We treat a psychological disorder physically. For the girl that's anorexic and weighs 90 pounds, but she sees a 150-pound girl in the mirror, do we buy her a size 22 dress? No, we, we attack that mentally with her. Gender dysphoria is a real thing. This is the condition real people have, friend. And people that have that deserve our compassion and grace and, and, and kindness. While it's a real thing, it's, it's rare. About one out of 7,000 men are diagnosed with gender dysphoria and about one out of 30,000 women are diagnosed with gender dysphoria. It's real, but it's rare. There are two types of gender dysphoria. One is called early onset, when you can see with your toddler something seems to be not clicking gender-wise with your toddler. The statistics I read this week says that well over two-thirds will grow out of that. But another type of gender dysphoria is rapid onset. And it affects teens and adults 
who have identified with their biological sex for years then decide they want to transition. This is what we're seeing an epidemic of. It's important to know that even psychiatrists will tell you there are social contagions for this. Do you know what I mean by that? Contagions is like the word contagious. I'm not talking about germs. That this is caught socially. What are the social contagions? Well, one is just the advent of social media where you can go on and you can, your self-esteem is by how many clicks you get or how many people viewed your Facebook posts or your Instagram or whatever the next cool thing that comes down the pipe. Another social contagion is, is there's just no question, friends. We have a 900% increase in transgenderism in the last decade. There's no explanation for that other than it's become trendy. There's no explanation for that. It's become cool. And just like all of us, just like all of us were, adolescents are slaves to trendiness and cool, just like every one of us were, right? Another part of the social contagions is, is schools ha have clubs that promote the acceptance of LGBTQ identity. And one of the reasons they have these clubs is money. Because there's money coming from the federal government if you do things that make you diverse and inclusive. Watch, follow the money, friends. I don't know why a principal of school can't just say, hey, we don't have any clubs that are based around sexuality. Whether that would be heterosexuality or homosexuality or transgender, we don't have clubs based around sexuality. But when, when, when our kids see all these clubs, then that leads to number four, that adults have accepted it. That adults have accepted it. And the acceptance of adults that just kind of go with this is a social contagion. Friends, let's, let's, let's just remember when we talk about this issue, as we talked about last week, when we talked about this issue, we're talking about real people. You have, you, this issue is not the concept of transgenderism, just like last week wasn't just the concept of homosexuality. We're talking about real people. We're talking about people that live among us who are transgenders and who are homosexuals. This is not just about homosexuality. It's about homosexuals. This is just not about transgenderism. It's about transgenders. We have to make this about real people. And that'll help us be gracious. Several years ago, I had a couple come into my office. And they wanted to get married. He was a transgender male. So just so terminology is right, he was a female, born a female, that had transitioned to a male. So it came into my office, this transgender male and this female, and they wanted to get married. And I think mom and dad made them come to the, me to talk before they could get married. How would you like to have my job? I prayed, 
God, please help me be gracious. God, please help me be kind. God, please help me from, don't let me grab her and just shake her and say, what are you thinking? That's what my flesh wanted to do. That's what my flesh wanted to do. God, please help me be gracious. Obviously, I, my advice was to them not to get married. Married is hard enough already without going into it with this issue to deal with. And this transgender male had, had top surgery, but he hadn't had bottom surgery. I said, look all the, how difficult marriage is, and then you're going to throw this on top of it? I looked at the female and said, Do you realize that you're in a lesbian relationship? And she looked at me like that thought had never, ever entered her mind. The transgender male at the end of the conversation looked at me and said, I would lose respect for you if you said anything different than you've said. I promise with my hand up he said that. He respected me because I spoke the truth and I hopefully spoke it in grace. I want you to know that we're talking about real people. Real people. I have someone who's distantly related to me. Third cousin, something, I don't know. She is is a he who's now a she transitioned like 40 years ago when nobody did that. These are real people we're talking about. In men's Bible study the other night as we talked about this issue, I said, raise your hand if you know someone that's transgender. And about a third of the guys raised their hand. I said, you know what? More of you know no transgenders. But the transition has been so good, you don't know it. It's a real issue, friends. Real people created in the image of God have as much worth and dignity as anybody else. And they have a problem. That some unscrupulous doctors make money off of. Can you imagine the doctor who cuts the breast off of a teenage girl? It happens, friends. Don't tell me it doesn't. Can you imagine the doctors who cut the genitals off of a teenage boy? It happens. My goodness. We say you got to be 21 before you can drink a beer. But you don't have to be 21 before you can consent to cut your genitals off? What are we thinking, friends? I don't think transgenderism should be illegal. I think if you're an adult, you should be able to do whatever you want to. But there should be some kind of age. How many of us all know that our brains don't fully develop till they're 25? 
And so I get all frustrated with my boys because they don't think right. Their brains aren't right yet. That's true. They can get mad at me all they want to. It's true. They haven't grown up yet. Our kids don't make good decisions because their brains haven't fully developed. And we're going to take an 18-year-old's choice to cut their breast off because I feel a certain way. Dr. Christopher Gilsberg is a Swedish psychiatrist who's written eight books on autism. He, he ventures into this area and says pediatric transition is possibly the biggest scandal in medical history. Possibly the biggest scandal in medical history. There's a lot of issues that are surrounding transgenderism. Well, why can't we just, you know, Mark, just go preach the cross and Forget about all this stuff. Well, as I told you last week, I, don't give a, I wouldn't give you two cents for Christianity if there's some way that my faith doesn't intersect with the culture. If our faith doesn't intersect with the culture, let's go be Amish. Let's just go be Amish. And the reason most of our faith doesn't intersect with the culture is that we, we, we don't like the tough feelings or the uncomfortableness of that. Or if we own a business, we don't want to lose business because of it. But if my faith doesn't intersect with the culture, I might as well be Amish. Jesus came to this earth. He didn't have to come to this earth. He intersected this earth. He came down and intersected with this earth. He didn't stay in his heavenly home. He came down here amongst the muck and the mire of us human beings. And Christianity intersected the real life of people when God came down to this earth. And to think that our faith has to just stay in the closet or our faith has to stay over here and we can't talk about these difficult issues. I've already named my ministry once I retire. The intersection of faith and culture. The intersection of faith and culture. We have a lot of privacy issues when it comes to transgenderism, right? We fought that battle and lost the YMCA back several months ago, right? Transgender female, naked in girls' locker room, the YMCA. We, we fought that battle and lost because the judge ruled that an obese man cannot be indecent. They tried the man for indecent exposure, but the judge said, because he's obese, which means his belly hang down and covered up his genitals, you cannot be publicly indecent you explain that to me by the way that man's up for re-election in two more years he should not be re-elected if we bring our faith to the voting booth there's privacy issues there's privacy issues there's safety issues the stories the stories are everywhere their stories are everywhere about a transgender female, a male who says he's a female that have gone into women's spaces and assaulted a female. There are safety issues for women. There are quality issues for women. This gets on me because I've got an athletic background. It just, if, I was a, if I was a parent and had a daughter, and my daughter was going to lose 
some privileges because transgender females were taking her place on the soccer team. Boy, you talk about one mad daddy. There's equality issues here. Where are the feminists on this issue? Where are the feminists on this issue? And we have it all over the country. The present rules, the way they're stated is LeBron James could transition to be a female. And if he takes one year's worth of hormones, he could go into the WNBA. We live in a weird world, friends. There are quality issues here. And there's liberty issues as well. The transgender people that I know in my life, I use their preferred pronouns. Some of you don't agree with that. That's okay. We don't have to all agree with all that. I think it's polite. But the government cannot demand that I do that. The government cannot mandate speech. It's a liberty issue. And the government cannot throw me in the jail because I don't use a certain pronoun. The only pronoun I won't use is they because I won't speak bad grammar. I just probably just did. <laughs> I speak bad grammar every Sunday, don't I? <laughs> but I'm supposed to re- refer to a single person as they. I, I, I draw the line there. So I didn't say a thing, you know, about what the Bible says because the Bible doesn't say. I just, I need to give you a little primer in those issues because if you're as old as me, this is new to us. This is new to us. So we need to define the terms. But when you bring the Bible to this, there is no thou shalt or thou thou shalt not, but we must know, must know, The foundational truth is that we have a sinful nature and we are broken people. And that brokenness can be exhibited in a hundred different ways. You cannot read the Bible unless you see that it says we are not the people that we are supposed to be. We have a sinful nature. We are broken. And you only have to look out into the world every single day and see exhibitions of that brokenness that horrible brokenness we have a sinful nature it's not really our fault that we have a sinful nature we have a sinful nature those of you that are watching right now on 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 um the video i'm gonna have to step out of the of the video for a second because i'm gonna go back here and get roy newsom who's the youngest little son here ryan and alexis And they told me he's a good little boy. Did he dr- uh, hold that and I'll come back and get it? <laughs> How old is Roy? Roy, he's four months. Can I tell you he's got a sinful nature? Right? Because it won't be too long before he looks at mommy and daddy and goes, no. They're good parents. They didn't teach him to do that. It won't be too... I'm going to do this so you can look at his pretty face. Or good looking face. See? It won't be too long before he looks at mom and daddy and says, 
mine. Rory wants to be lord of his own crib. That's our problem, friends. We all want to be lord of our own life. And for Rory, Ryan and Alexis are God right now, really. Till he gets, can understand a concept. Mom and Daddy are God at this age. And he goes, no God. Just like we grow up later and go, no God. It's a sinful nature. It's in him. And if you doubt this, you, you, dis, you did not have a child, right? You, you couldn't have had a child and you doubt this in any right way. Yeah, but yeah. your mom and daddy going to tell you about this one day. Yeah. Oh, I got a smile out of him. Look at him. Have we got this? All right. All right. There you go. They're clapping for him. He did, I did it all. He didn't do anything. What are you doing? <laughs> we have a sinful nature. We're broken people. And why would it surprise us that some of those, that brokenness does not get exhibited in LGBTQ stuff? Why would that surprise any of us? We're broken, desperately broken people. Jeremiah and 17 verse 9 says our hearts they're just deceitful who can understand it Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 Paul writes that the flesh that's that's mark that's that's not the spiritual part of Mark. That's the natural, very human part of Mark. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. And if you've never felt that conflict, you're not trying very hard to follow Jesus. Because if you try to follow Jesus, you'll sense that conflict between the spirit and the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, 18, Paul writes, For I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot, I cannot carry it out. We have something inside of us that resists the spiritual nature. And we constantly, constantly have to give in to the spirit and not give in to the flesh. Give in to the spirit, not give in to the flesh. Give in to the spirit, not give in to the flesh. So why, if we have this sinful nature, if we are broken people, if people do all kinds of horrible things, horrible things, why wouldn't some of them have something called gender dysphoria or anorexia or whatever you want to call it. The Bible doesn't say thou shalt or thou shalt not, but the Bible explains why we're broken people. Can I tell you that gender biblically is binary? What's binary mean? Two. You hear some people today say they're non-binary. 
That, mean, that means they're not one of the two. They're not male or female. They're non-binary. But the Bible talks about gender is binary because male and female matter. You only have to go 27 verses into the Bible before male and female matters and is introduced. You know where I'm going. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. God said, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And the Bible gives no other classification for human beings. Don't come at me with the eunuch stuff. Research it. The Bible talks about eunuchs in a couple of places. These were men who were born without genitals or men who chopped their genitals off so they could serve in the royal court. Research it. The Bible only mentions male and female. Don't you think that if God's design was another gender or some kind of fluidity between these, that the Bible would speak of it. Just like last week with homosexuality. We never have homosexuality mentioned once in a positive way in Scripture. Don't you think if that was God's design, somewhere it would be mentioned in a positive way, and please don't come at me with David love Jonathan. And those of you that know Scripture know what I'm talking about there. In Scripture, gender is binary. Jesus confirmed this. He said in Matthew chapter 19, have you not read? That was Jesus' way of saying, come on, man, this is obvious. Do I have to tell you this again? Have you not read that at the beginning... The creator made them male and female. All through scripture, it's male and female. It's husband and wife. All through scripture. Male and female matter. But male and female matter because Genesis 1.28, right after 27 when he said he created mankind in his own image, Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and multiply. The first purpose that he ever gave to these two creatures was that they need to use this oppositeness to populate the universe. Be few fruitful and increase in number. That can't happen. That can't happen in anything other than male, in anything other than female. Male and female matter. And in Genesis chapter 2, God says, in the, in the other creation account, there's two creation accounts, and one just elaborates on the other. In Genesis chapter 2, God just says, you know what? I'm putting in my own words, obviously. I've got to find a partner for this, for, this, for this guy I've created. 
And he looked all around to all the animals he created and said, oh, that won't work. No, oh, that would hurt. That won't work. That won't work. And so he created a brand new creature, a female. And you know what Adam said when he created that brand new creature? He said, wow, you are one foxy babe. I mean, that's really what he said. Because he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You're a lot better looking than that, this rhinoceros right here. Bone of my bone. It's, it's, we just have it as a binary in Scripture, male and female matter. But we have this thing called a gender umbrella. And, and we just have all kinds of genders. If you, if you ask people to name how many genders, they will not give you a number because they want there to be an infinite amount. They will not say, well, there's 17 because somebody will say there's 18 and they certainly wouldn't deny that person the 18th. And people look in the mirror and say, well, this is just the way God created me. And David says in Psalm 139 that God created his inmost being. He, he knit me together in my mother's womb. Do we have that scripture? He said, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that for full well. Again, the biblical prescription for gender dysphoria is not body modification it's mind modification we understand that with anorexia why do we not understand that with gender dysphoria there is tension in a person that has gender dysphoria I can't imagine that tension if you don't have that tension, then you, you don't understand it. And I don't understand it either. But I can't imagine the tension in me. Can you imagine how bad that must be? The tension in me that, it, that I feel like a woman. I can't even imagine that. People, <clears throat> if I had you stand up, Mr. Male, and say, what does it feel like to be a male? You know what? You could not answer that question. Because you don't know what it feels like to be a male. You've just always been a male. Mrs. Female, if I ask you to stand up and say, what does it feel like to be a female? You could not understand that, answer that question, because you have no clue what it feels like to be a female, because you've always been a female. But we have some people on this earth that say, I feel like a male, or I feel like a female when they're in the other body. I can't identify with that, because I have no clue what it feels like to be a male. I just am. I just am. I asked the guys at Bible study the other night. I said, who can tell me what it feels like to be a male? There's not a single one of them could. I don't know. I just am. I can't imagine the horrible dysphoria, which means unease or confusion, that must be in me if I feel like something that I'm not. And because of that, we come to this with Grace and God, help me be gracious. And God, would you drown me in grace? And I've got to speak truth, I know, but please let me be gracious in all of this. And one thing I didn't say last week that I should have said in this whole area with homosexuality, in this whole area with transgenderism, and any area that we face as Christians, grace opens the door for truth, not the other way around. 
truth does not open the door. In fact, sometimes truth closes the door. If I come too soon with truth or too hard with truth or with my fingers wagging with truth, grace opens the door for truth. It is impossible to change your sex. Why do I have to say that? Why do I have to say that in 2023? You can change your appearance. And you know what? With plastic surgery and all that, you can do a really good job of looking like somebody that you're not. A really good job. You can change your appearance, but you cannot change your sex. If I... Let's say I'm a transgender male. I'm a, I'm a f- female who's transitioned to a male, and I die, and they bury me. And 200 years later, they dig up my bones, and they do DNA testing on my bones. You know what they're going to find? This was a girl. It's in my bones. Can't change your sex. You can only change your appearance. And you can do a good job of it. And you can fool me. And you can fool the world. How do we respond? First Thessalonians 5.17 that if you have to deal with this issue, you, you better pray continually. I remember when I met with that transgendered couple and I was just saying Lord help me Lord help me Lord help me keep my mouth shut don't let me say something stupid don't let me say what I want to say help me be gracious help me be gracious help me be gracious help me be gracious when we see like we saw those college students God help those people can somebody speak truth to those people can somebody lift the veil of deception that they're under Oh, God, I look at them and they're lost like a sheep without a shepherd. Help them somehow. We also have to know that kindness leads to repentance, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2. My meanness, my truth, my, my pointing the finger my wanting to grab her and shake her and say, what is going on with you? Come to your senses. That will not lead to repentance. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's kindness leads to repentance. If my goal is for them to not be deceived anymore, then grace will lead the way to that. Or maybe I can share truth. And maybe they'll receive it because they felt loved. And a verse I've already quoted, Matthew 9, 36. Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion. The Greek word literally means he was groaning on the inside for them. Because they were harassed. They were helpless. 
They were like a sheep without a shepherd. Just like I was one day. There was no more lost person in the world than me on August 28, 1993. But somehow I I walked into Calvary Baptist Church and somehow God got a hold of me and started mine modification on me. And he only started mine modification on me because I invited him to do it. And I opened the door for him to come into my life. I admitted that I was lost. I was lost. I was a sheep without a shepherd. If we're ever going to deal successfully with a transgender community, we must deal with them like we deal with everybody on all issues, on all issues with grace and truth. The way to be Christ-like, the only way we know 100% we're being Christ-like is to be as Jesus was described. Someone, they describe Jesus as full of grace and truth. And if I'm full of grace and truth, I may be approaching Jesus' mind on that issue. But for, for me, I'm a truther. That's my DNA. I know it as well as I know that I'm standing here. And because I'm a truther, I have to lean toward grace. Some of you are gracers. You're naturally gracers. You need to lean toward truth. It comes natural for you to be grace and extend kindness. That's, that's so natural. For, I wish I was that way. You need to lean toward truth as I need to lean toward grace. We can accept. We absolutely have to accept. But we cannot affirm huge difference. We must accept the reality of these people that are in our lives. We must accept the reality that they're created in the image of God, that they have as much worth and dignity as I do, but we cannot affirm their behavior. I don't see where Jesus did. I really don't. And so as I've said to you a hundred times with grace and truth, (laughs) it all comes to the cross. Because cross is the best example of grace and truth that was ever given us. Because at the cross, you see unbelievable compassion. At the cross, you see unbelievable grace. At the cross, you see unbelievable mercy. At the cross, you see unbelievable love. But also at the cross, you see the truth of how sinful sin is. God had to kill his son for it. Now, you may not like that terminology, but it's biblical. And so while the cross is unbelievable compassion and love and grace, the cross is truth because it shows just how sinful sin is that Jesus had to die. By the way, I probably shouldn't say this in a church, but I will. One Biblical support for transgenderism. I promise you this. The spear that lanced Jesus' side made him have a vagina. I promise I read it. I promise I read it. That's how warped 
this old world is. And the only solution is the cross of Jesus Christ. Or he says, repent. He says it to them, he says it to us. He says it to Mark, you cannot have your way anymore, Mark, if you want to be a Christian. You transgenders, you homosexuals, you abortion advocates, you can't have it any way anymore. Your way anymore if you want to be a Christian. It has to be my way. That's why Jesus said repent. And we have to say the most difficult words we will ever say if we really mean it. We have to say Jesus is Lord. And you know what a good prayer to pray after you pray and say Jesus is Lord? Say God help me mean that. Would you Make my repentance genuine. Because it's easy to mouth the words, isn't it? Our servers are coming to the table. And this issue, this issue as well as all issues, <laughs> comes right to the foot of the cross where grace and truth intersect. Father, I'm a broken human being, and because of that, I didn't do a good job of preaching this. I could have done lots better, but God, would you take my broken words from a sinful man, and would you somehow put your Holy Spirit in them and make them a lot better than they are, and may it help some people today to deal with this issue and come to the truth of this issue. Help us to be people of grace. Help us to be people who lead with grace. Help us to be people who drown them with grace. But help us to be people who are bold enough to speak truth. Help us to be people who have too much fear of you not to speak the truth. Help us now as we come to the table and as we come to the altars. Be with us as we continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.